compromise and go halfway. I want to talk about five ways that you can allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through your life. We are a Pentecostal church. We're a, a church that believes in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's why I had my friend Sal Damari from Praise Center come and talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's one of our values. Pentecost Sunday is coming up on June 5th. And sometimes when we talk about being led of the Spirit, man, our minds goes to, you know, tongues and interpretation or, you know, all sorts of things out there. And we don't understand that the Holy Spirit is given to us to be used in our daily life. It's not about demonstrating things publicly. It's about feeling the nudges of the Holy Spirit during the week. Those little nudges that maybe cause you to pick up a phone and call somebody right at the point of their crisis. The little nudges where you write a note of encouragement to somebody and that note completely turns their week around. The nudges of the Spirit where you take time, maybe even in the middle of the night, and pray for someone, pray for a missionary. I've always said the, the best way to grow a church is to make sure the believers are healthy and representing Jesus well in the community. Now, you see, the American evangelical church is, you look at all the mega churches, they're built on superstars. It's like an upside-down triangle. One person who comes and presents a great message and they draw all these people or they have all this, uh, you know, kind of wow factor. And there's nothing wrong with those special kind of events. But I really believe that to build a healthy church, it's not about smoke machines or panini sandwiches or the wow razzle-dazzle. It's about you and I living out our faith every day in the grocery store, in the line at Walmart, stuck in traffic, in your office, in your orchard, in that conflict with your neighbor. You and I, as spirit-filled believers, and if you know Jesus as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit in you. We know that from Romans you and I need to allow the Holy Spirit to be demonstrated in our life. And I'm going to share with you five ways that I think the Holy Spirit should be demonstrated in our life. And it's not about all the wow, pizzazz, kind of, you know, the things that draw attention. It's in these daily things. The five, overflowing joy. There's nothing more attractive in someone's life than joy. It's supernatural grace. I talked about that last week when I talked about mothers. My last point was you need to fill in the gaps with lots of grace. Number three, cheerful generosity. Not just in giving, but maybe in your time, your listening ear, your encouragement. Number four is outspoken purity. And number five is the spiritual gifts that God has given us that's outlined in 1 Corinthians. I want you to turn this morning in your Bible to 1 Corinthians. You know, when I, um, 
was raised back in the 60s and 70s. There were all sorts of programs that were offered to churches, and many churches uh, embraced those programs, helping us as believers share our faith. And I'm not being critical or dissing those programs, but you remember some of them, things like, uh, you know, the four spiritual laws, or the Romans road, or discipleship dynamic. Evangelism explosion was a big one. You know, how to share your faith with your family and friends. For the first five years I was here, when actually first, I taught a program called Lay Leadership Institute. Some of you might have even gone through that. We had all these programs. I was raised, and you maybe were raised, in churches that thought the best method to share your faith was to memorize some kind of presentation. But you know, the Apostle Paul gives us a really good insight into how we should be used to the Holy Spirit. Now, now think about this for a moment. The Apostle Paul, okay, raised in religion. He was a very religious person. He went to the best schools available in his day. He was trained in one of the most famous and noteworthy rabbis of all time, Gamaliel. In fact, by the age of 12, the Apostle Paul, which at that time his name was Saul, if he would have been a good rabbinical student, which I'm sure he was, he would have been required to memorize the entire Pentateuch. That's the first five books of the Bible. Think of that. It wasn't uncommon really, as I understand it, for advanced rabbinical students to go on and memorize the entire Old Testament. And we know Paul was a star student. As a student of scriptures, he was probably more well-versed than almost anyone else in that era of history. And just think of this. 13 of the letters that he wrote to churches, 13 of them, back in about 315, were voted on by an ecumenical council and canonized, meaning that they, it was determined that they were the inspired word of God. 13 of his letters. That's remarkable. So he not only knew scripture, he wrote scripture. If there was anyone who, couldn't, who, who could have gotten by with wise and persuasive arguments by some kind of memorized program, some kind of evangelical trick to get people to come in, it was him. But what did he say to those in Corinth? What is he saying to us today? Chapter 2, 1 Corinthians, beginning with verse 1. And so it was with me, Paul writes, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence. He didn't come with the wow factor. He didn't come with all the bills and whistles to try to attract people. He didn't even come with his human wisdom as he proclaimed the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ 
and him crucified. Bottom line, it all goes back to Jesus and our relationship with him. It's your relationship with Jesus that will make a difference. Verse 3 says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message, my preaching, they weren't with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I want to talk this morning about what a demonstration of the Spirit's power looks like in our life throughout the week. Not talking about spiritual gifts when we gather. I'm talking about gifts that God has given us to be used in the marketplace. See, if Paul didn't rely on some kind of slick presentation to win people to Jesus. Man, I don't think we need those slick presentations either. What we need is what Paul said he needed, and that is a demonstration of the Spirit's power in our life. Now, how do we demonstrate that? Pastor Darth and I were together recently, and we were driving down a highway, and we saw some trees that were just planted. And I said to Pastor Darth, I said, you know, I've lived in this area 35 years. I still can't tell you if those are apple trees or cherry trees or pear trees. He said, don't feel bad. I've been here 22 years, and I can't tell either. We needed a Don Schooley or, you know, a Charlie Coffin, someone to help us. But, you know, as those trees grow and begin to produce fruit, I'd be able to tell you whether it's an apple tree or a cherry tree. By the fruit, I can identify them. The fruit of the Spirit. Let me remind you what people should see in your life if you are living close to Jesus and yielded to the Holy Spirit. The fruit isn't something that we work up. You know, those trees, if they're fertilized, if they're thinned and pruned and properly taken care of, they automatically produce fruit. If you and I will take care of our spirit every single day, spend time with Jesus, be in his word, be led of the spirit, we don't have to try to conjure these things up in our life. They'll automatically happen. It's fruit. Galatians chapter 5, I just want to remind you what we're looking at here today. We're talking about how can the power of the Holy Spirit be demonstrated in your life. First of all, it's through the fruit people see. And it's very clear here that Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love. (laughs) Love. Last thing Jesus told his disciples. He knew he was going to die. He got them all together for the Last Supper. What's the final thing that he wanted to remind them? He said, friends, love one another. Love. Joy. Wow, do you have joy in your life? Peace. A 
peace that passeth all understanding, a peace that's not dependent upon circumstances. Forbearance, it's like patience. Kindness. I've said it so often, Christians should be the kindest people in our community. Unfortunately, sometimes that's not what we're known for. We're known for being divisive and confrontational. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. Let's talk about these five things that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our life as a demonstration of his power to attract people to Jesus. And the first is overflowing joy. Now that might not seem like a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's not as impressive maybe as someone standing up saying, the Lord would say unto you this day, And we think, wow, that guy's got to be really spiritual. You know, he's given some kind of gift there. When people see that you can be joyful, it attracts them. I guarantee you, we live in such a negative world. And negativity is winning. Look at how elections are won. Negativity. So many people struggle with worry and anxiety and guilt. So when you and I allow the Holy Spirit's demonstration of joy in our life, it is a sign of supernatural presence. Man, you can't be truly joyful in today's world without the help of the Holy Spirit. It'll, it'll just suck it out of you if you're, if, you're, if you're not careful. I'm talking about a joy, not a happiness, but a joy that is so supernatural that people ask you about it. It's a joy that's so foundational that it transcends all circumstances. All people, all negativity. And if you let the Holy Spirit flow through your life, and if you demonstrate overflowing joy, I guarantee you're going to have a lot of opportunities simply to explain why you're happy all the time. Now, some of you just went through our Wednesday night Bible study on Philippians. So this might be a little review for you, but for those of you that weren't there on Wednesday night, I want to give you just a real quick synopsis of the book of Philippians, because the book of Philippians is called the book of joy. Four chapters in the book of Philippians. In every chapter, Paul tells us, You can have joy. You can have this demonstration of the Holy Spirit in your life if you develop these four mindsets. Here they are. Chapter 1 doesn't matter what the circumstances of your life are. 
If you have a single mindset, you can have joy. The key verse here is chapter 1, verse number 21, where Paul says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How can you have joy over or in spite of circumstances? It's to have a single mindset. And then he goes on in chapter 2 and he says, you can have joy in spite of people. Whatever people say about you, no matter how people respond to you, you can still have joy if you learn how to have a submissive mind. Like Jesus did. Not my will, but the will of the Father. He says in chapter 2, verse number 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself. If we have that kind of submissive mind, we'll have joy in spite of people. And then Paul goes on and he talks about having a spiritual mind. So many of us are concerned about what's happening in our community and what's happening in our nation. And as citizens, we need to be concerned. In fact, your pastoral team has decided that we're going to do 30 days of prayer for America next month. Beginning June 5th through July 4th, we're going to pray every day for our country. But you know, our country is our temporary home. If we have a spiritual mindset, we'll realize we're just passing through. We went the best country we can based on biblical values, but it's temporary. The spiritual mind will give you joy in spite of all things. Scripture says our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fourth key that Paul gives to us is to have a secure mind. And again, this is all under this umbrella of how do we allow joy to exude through our life. A secure mind will defeat worry. Because Paul says in chapter 4, verse number 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The first way that I encourage all of us this week to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us is simply to have overflowing joy. Not to have words of knowledge for people, not to do supernatural miracles on the street. Oh, the Holy Spirit can do that, but that's not everyday stuff. <laughs> May Jesus help us to have overflowing joy. Amen? Amen? The second demonstration of the Spirit's power is supernatural grace. And that's really shown often through forgiveness. When you've been wronged, when you've been hurt, when you've been betrayed. When you have every right to be bitter 
and angry, realize you've given up your rights when you've decided to follow Jesus. Extend grace. See, the world expects you to be angry and bitter, but extend grace. Remember, it's been a few years back, probably, I'm just guessing, maybe 2008, 2009, the man who delivered milk to the Amish community in Pennsylvania snapped, took out a gun, gunned down 10 girls. Remember that? Is a tragedy, just like the tragedy that occurred in Brooklyn this weekend. But you know what the news was focused on in the months after that? Is how the Amish community responded to the gunman. Immediately, there was no anger, there was no bitterness. Oh, there was sadness, uh, there was loss, there was grief. But they decided to love that gunman's family. That Amish community took up an offering. That Amish community reached out, was the safety net for the widow of the milkman and their three kids. And if you remember right, that's what the networks were focused on. Not the milkman, but how the Amish community responded with supernatural grace. That made the news. People saying, wow, how can they do that? It's because they were allowing the demonstration of the Holy Spirit to flow through their life. There's no way that you can do that without the help of the Lord. Preached about this a couple of years ago as we were going through COVID, where it said, pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who do you wrong. Love your enemies. That's a tough assignment for us. But the Holy Spirit can help us just like he helped that Amish community. Love your enemies. Forgive those who have hurt you. Whether they've asked you to forgive them or not. See, the only way to truly do that is to depend upon and to demonstrate the Holy Spirit's power in your life. These are things we all can do. You might not have the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, but I'm talking about things that each one of us can do to show people that we've got the Holy Spirit's power in our life. Overflowing joy, supernatural grace. The third is cheerful generosity. Because, you know, we're born to be selfish. I mean, the Bible says that. As sure as the spark flies upward, a man, a woman is born to trouble. Our DNA is selfishness. Our DNA is sin. That's why we need transformed by the power of Jesus. We're born selfish. And then we live in a culture. Unlike some other countries, our culture is very independent. Like we don't need each other. Like it's all about us. And it's counterintuitive for us to think about being a safety net for a family in crisis that we don't even know. 
But with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can learn that kind of cheerful generosity. Man, if you keep such a a loose grip on your stuff that you can cheerfully give it away when God asks you, it is a better sign of the Holy Spirit's work in your life than just about anything else. Mother Teresa said that one time. She said, I always keep things loosely because it doesn't hurt as bad as when God has to pry your fingers off your possessions. And that's true, isn't it? There's a biblical man that's mentioned in Acts. We don't know, you know a whole lot about him, but it's in Acts chapter 10, verse number 2. Actually, a saint of the church in the Roman and the Orthodox tradition. They value him that much. Acts chapter 10, verse number 2. It's Cornelius. And here's what it says about Cornelius. He was devout. He was God-fearing. He gave generously. And he prayed regularly. Man, I'd like that on my headstone. Devout, God-fearing, generous, and a man of prayer. We, we need to develop that in our lives. We need to demonstrate cheerful generosity. You know, Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 commends a church for their faithful giving to brethren in a community that they had never been to or never met. And really, you do that in your giving. 61 different ministries. We send anywhere from $50 to I think our our highest monthly obligation is $350. Why is that? Because we want people to see the demonstration of the Spirit in our life through generosity. Oh yeah, we could keep it. We could put another person on staff for what we give to other ministries. We could do all sorts of things for ourselves. But the Bible tells us we need to be cheerful in our generosity. Number four, we need to be outspoken in our purity. I don't need to tell you we live in a pleasure-driven world. Sex, drugs, alcohol, pornography, you name it. Everything is there. And we're taught as Americans, we're entitled to enjoy ourselves. But as Christ followers, we've got to be not only outspoken about purity... We have to live a life of purity. When it comes to sexual relationships, when it comes to recreational drugs, when it comes to alcohol, in fact, to stay pure in today's society, I would argue that you have to have a power greater than yourself. And the Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Man, if you're a young person, and if you not only pursue purity, but you're not ashamed of it, 
You'll be demonstrating the Spirit's power in your life, and you'll have all sorts of opportunities to share your faith. And God, I guarantee, will honor you for aligning yourself to his principles, to his will for your life. 2 Peter chapter number 1. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Let me paraphrase that. For a pure life. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly, pure life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Realizing sexual relationships are to be between a husband and a wife. It's what the word says. It's not what our culture says. I understand that. But when people see us living the kind of lives that Jesus has asked us to live, forgiving those who have hurt us, being generous to those who have stolen from us, being outspoken, not only vocally, but in our lifestyle when it comes to purity. Those are the kinds of things that are going to attract people to Jesus. We can use all the Hollywood stunts that we want, but people know those are just Hollywood stunts. Where does the rubber meet the road? It's how you're responding on a Thursday afternoon when you are tired and depleted and someone wrongs you in the office. When you're tempted to walk away knowing that that cashier gave you 17 cents too much and you think, oh, it's not worth taking that back. (laughs) A demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Purity. And finally, as we wrap things up, I don't want to downplay actual spiritual gifts because the Holy Spirit can use you in spiritual gifts. Some of you old-timers remember I brought in a man by the name of R.L. Brandt multiple times. He was from Montana. He wrote a book called (laughs) Spiritual Gifts for the Marketplace. It revolutionized the way that I looked at spiritual gifts. I was raised in a church where spiritual gifts were demonstrated on Sunday morning or Sunday night when we were all together. I never heard that the real reason for spiritual gifts was that the Spirit could use me in school and on my paper route. But it makes a lot of sense if the Holy Spirit is in us We need to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit and allow those gifts to flow. And as I said earlier, it's really not through writing on the wall, not through audible voices. It's through nudging. When you just feel, you know, I should do this. Don't ever, friends, ignore that nudge. Realize that's the Holy Spirit. And he wants to use you, even in these supernatural spiritual gifts. Let me remind you, they're listed in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, 
begin with verse 8. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpretation. Last fall, Pastor Mike Johnson, whom you know is interim pastor down in Ephrata. That's why we haven't seen him the last several months. But Pastor Mike was teaching on a Wednesday night, and he was telling us about this opportunity. You know, he works for a company that provides equipment to oil fields. And he was, I think, like in Williston, North Dakota or something. And some lady who worked in that office was sharing with Mike about problems that she was having with her vision. And Mike said, I just felt glad that I needed to pray for her. And I kind of resisted because I didn't know really how she would receive it. But he decided he didn't want to disobey what he knew was the Holy Spirit. And he said, you know, I'm a Christ follower. I don't think he even identified himself as a pastor. He said, I believe God can touch your eyes. Would you mind if I prayed for you? When he called her a few weeks later, her vision had improved. Wasn't completely healed, but it had improved. That was a supernatural gift given to Mike at that time. Sometimes you might have a nudge. It might be a word of wisdom. It might be a word of knowledge. It might be a prophecy. Let me just end with this. Sometimes we think prophecy is, you know, foretelling the future, like somebody looking into a crystal ball. And that's not what prophecy is biblically. Biblically, prophecy is telling forth. Biblically, right now, as I proclaim God's word, I'm prophesying. And when you talk to your neighbor... And you share with them the things of the word, the things of the Lord. In essence, you are telling forth the good news of Jesus. You are prophesying. And I know we don't tend to think it that way, particularly in Pentecostal churches, because we put these spiritual gifts in boxes thinking, oh, that's the way. No, the Lord does work that way, but the Lord wants to work through us in the marketplace, demonstrating the Spirit's power. He'll give you opportunity to utilize spiritual gifts. There's many times during the week, I just stop and I send up a quick arrow prayer. Lord, I need wisdom right now because I don't know what to do. Lord, I need a word right now because I have no idea what to tell this person. And you can do the same. That's the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Where can you be more yielded to the Holy Spirit who lives in you? Maybe you need to be more joyful. Get your eyes off the circumstances and just demonstrate joy. Maybe you need to use more grace. 
Maybe it's in that area of generosity. And I have found in my life I can be real generous in one area and not another area. So we have to have the Holy Spirit show us what area do I need to be more generous? Maybe you're struggling in an area of purity right now. The Holy Spirit can help you. I encourage all of us, friends, let's allow the Holy Spirit to flow through our life. We have the Spirit's power. Let's be like Paul and say it's not about the bells and whistles. It's not about all the things that seem attractional. It's about people who are totally sold out to Jesus, who allow the Holy Spirit to live through their lives. That's going to attract people to the gospel message and to a personal relationship with Jesus. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you for this time that we've had. (coughs) I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to revisit again your word that helps us to live the life that you want us to live. And Lord, we want to be used of your Holy Spirit. And maybe, Lord, there are people here today who have had a wrong uh, understanding of what that might look like. And I pray that today that they have found that being used of the Holy Spirit is not anything that is strange. It is simply walking with your Spirit and allowing these things that we've talked about this morning to be evident in our life. I pray for this congregation. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit will rise up big within them, that they'll have the ability to use grace, they'll have the ability to be generous, they'll have the uh, ability, oh God, to hear from you and might be used in spiritual gifts. I pray that you'll give us, Lord, just a sense of your joy. I pray, oh God, that truly we will be spirit-filled people. The people in our community will see that we're different because Jesus is the center of our life. And we, Lord, are founded and grounded in your word, not the things around us. We thank you, Jesus, for giving us the ability to do what you're calling us to do. In your wonderful name we pray, amen.